Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 101, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and mtggoldfish.com. Your host, as always, Chaz, who writes about financial aspects of Magic the Gathering and, and just, of course, Magic the Gathering in general. And joining me is Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, Chaz. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And Seth, or probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around writer of Magic the Gathering. What's up, Seth? Oh, what's up, guys? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Ready to talk some more magic. We're ready. Uh, Hope everyone had a great holidays. The last, again, episode 100 was so much fun. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, So we're going to be back. Probably going to be a shorter cast just because we all want to get back to celebrating. And... um, so really on the docket is we had the, well, mostly the uh, Aether, were, or Aether Revolt masterpieces. Uh, the inventions were given to us. I think we're missing two, which would be, I think, the Aether Revolt cards uh, that they didn't want to reveal yet. So we're just going to talk about that and some fish mail. And I think that's about going to wrap it up. So, yeah, uh, let's, let's just, I'm just going to open up the floor. What did you guys think? Of the inventions, Richard. Well, let me first quickly list them. So 22 of 24 were revealed. So the remaining two are Ether Revolt cards. So we don't know what they are. The rest of these are obviously reprints. So going down the list, we have Arcbound Ravager, Black Vice, Chalice of the Void, Defense Grid, Duplicant, Engineered Explosives, Ensnaring Bridge, Extraplanar Lens, Grindstone, Meekstone, Oblivion Stone, Ornithopter, Pithing Needle, Platinum Angel, Spear of Resistance, Staff of Domination, Sundering Titan, Sword of Body and Mind, Sword of War and Peace, Trinisphere, Videlcan Shackles, and Worm Coil Engine. So basically, every artifact that's ever seen play is now <laughs> a masterpiece. <laughs> yes, pretty much. They they great list. Uh, obviously, pending the the last two. Uh, Aether Revolt cards, but you're you're generally correct here, Richard. It's it's basically any artifact that's relevant. I mean, pretty much anywhere except Black um, Vice. I don't know why Black Vice is here. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but what did you think overall aesthetically? Uh, did you like the inclusion here? That just the general list. Um, how do you feel overall about these? Because you really like the Kaladesh ones. Yeah, I think it's fine. The novelty is worn off. Uh, we've seen <laughs> enough inventions. We've seen. I don't know, the, the new art and the new frame looks good, but it's kind of the same style as the the original Kaladesh invention, so the novelty's kind of worn off on me, and I don't play any artifact decks, so like I'm not going to upgrade any of my cards, so it's just, it is just what it is, but to me, it's, I don't know, this is the third set that we've had uh, masterpieces in, and the novelty's worn off, but I think it's fine. I think for the people who want to pimp out their decks... I feel bad for Tron and Infinity players. Now you can probably build a deck that's 100% masterpieces and it's going to get expensive. So it's good for those players. But for me, it's just, eh, it's cool to see the new art and see kind of the new take on some of the cards. But other than that, it's just not too exciting for me. Already the novelty's worn off, Richard? Oh, man. You're never going to open one. Are you willing to, (laughs) you know, fork over a hundred plus dollars for a chase one? (laughs) <laughs> and I, I don't know the, I don't know. 
don't know. Tell we're, me, Chaz, Affinity player. How, how hyped well, are you about this? Well, I, if you know me and you've seen my Twitter this morning, you know I'm selling some stuff. So I finally had to take the plunge because I didn't want to pull the trigger until I saw Arcbound Ravager. So for me, that's like the marquee card of the set, even since I played it back in Standard. And I didn't want to you know, pull the trigger until I saw that Ravager was indeed an invention, and it is. I think they all generally look great. And uh, I know what you're going to say, Seth. I know that Ornithopter's the stinker here, but at <laughs> least, at least I get to play it. At the very least, this is not going to be the feel bads as I would normally because I could actually play this one. Oh, <laughs> technically, you can play any card, Jazz. So, no, but I, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, Ornithopter, you got to. <laughs> We talked about this as one of the, the potential problems with the Masterpiece series as a whole, that eventually, I think it was Gainlands we used as an example, you're going to have Masterpiece yes. Gainlands because you're just going to run out of good cards, and Ornithopter is the first real good example of that. It's a, it's a uncommon, I guess, yes, technically it's playable, but it's also like 10 cents or something, because it's been reprinted multiple times, it's already in foil, so there's really no big reason to have a masterpiece ornithopter, I guess. And it's going to feel pretty bad if you open that as your invention. Like, I guess we've seen kind of like a, I disagree. You don't think so? It's an iconic an card. Player. <laughs> it's an iconic card. And it's actually used in, you know, a tier one deck, you know, affinity. It's iconic. Like, this is what masterpieces should be. Because there's only so many, unless you start printing like Black Lotus and Moxon, there's only so many tier one expensive staples you can ever make so getting the iconic card like ornithopter you know when they go to other things i'd like to see a lightning bolt i'd like to see a swords to plowshares a path to exile kind of the not super exciting cards they're worth relatively little but they're so iconic and i think ornithopter fits the bill i mean it's better than extra planar lens or i don't, I don't know staff of domination like there's a there's cards that are playable, but not as iconic as Ornithopter. Where's my cranial plating? <laughs> I needed cranial plating. Uh. Uh, so, I mean, I think they did a... They look great. I still like how they look, and the art's really cool, and the border's cool, just like in Kaladesh. And I think, in general, they did a really good job of, of picking these. Uh, there's, like, something for everyone, kind of. I mean, you obviously can't print too many standard staples, because that's not what this is about, but you have a couple of first-time foil cards that are relevant to older formats, like Grindstone and Legacy. Also, uh, what's the vintage one? Uh, Sphere of Resistance is a first-time Yes. foil yep. and that's a vintage staple you get some good commander cards uh, that's where i think staff comes in and kind of makes sense is it's playable in commander uh, sundering titan is a good casual card you get some modern stuff so i feel like even the bad cards like extra planner lens i'm kind of okay with it because it's like uh ways for commander players to pimp out their decks and that's the audience that they're going for with some of those selections so apart from ornithopter which i i see what you're saying about iconic cards but i guess i just don't view ornithopter in the same light i don't see that as the artifact lightning bolt or path to exile or swords of plowshares i think i don't know but i'm not gonna throw too much of a of a fit about it unless i hope happen to open one when i crack a box then i'm gonna be super depressed well if you open one definitely ship it to me because <laughs> i will be the charitable ornithopter 
<laughs> please add to my donations for ornithopters <laughs> because I will need them after this. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it, you're, you're right. I think generally the, the whole theme here has been there's something for everybody. Unfortunately, extra planar lens. I know you were using these as an example, but just so you know, you're not corrected in the in the comments. Uh, Sundering Titan and extra planar lens are banned. So uh, lens uh, lens isn't banned in multiplayer. Sundering right, right, right. Titan might be, but yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I generally like the list. I, you're right. The mantra is something for everybody. They look cool. I don't think the novelty's worn off yet. I mean, I'm not like, you know, in Richard's camp where I mean, you strap in for the next like three or five years where you're still getting, uh, getting this masterpiece series. But, um, I think it was a good extension. I think, you know, Kaladesh and, and, and Aether now Aether revolt did a really good job is at, at getting a good blend of what people generally like. I like that. They kind of finished the, the swords, um, and yeah, you just have a good good mix of things for like affinity players and Tron players and stuff. So let, wide array of stuff. Let me ask you guys this. So if you look at the Kaladash inventions as a whole, um, it seems pretty clear that the Kaladash ones were better. There's nothing from Ether Revolt that comes to the level of a Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, um, Soul Ring, Mox Opal even. If you look at the swords, the three swords in Kaladesh are the three good swords, and the three ones in Ether Revolt, or the two in Ether Revolt, are like the least powerful or least playable. Uh, so do you think Wizards needs to do a better job of not printing Kaladesh inventions? Because I think they're fine as a whole, but how they divide them up between sets, like... I feel like the Ether Revolt ones are less exciting because they put all the best ones in Kaladash. Would would it be better if they snuck a Mana Crypt off of the Kaladash list and put it in Ether Revolt so we had a card like that? Yeah, I'm going to agree, only because I think we saw pretty much the same thing with Zendikar, right? Because uh, yeah. Zendikar was all the... I mean, how do you top fetches and shocks and all that? I mean... Uh, what was it? Oath of the Gatewatch had like Wasteland. They had a couple good ones, but overall, I think Zendikar was the one that had basically everything in there. And I, I think you're right. I think they can kind of distribute this a little better, but kind of just feels like they just want to like get people hooked right away with these, and then kind of just keep that going uh, in the next set. But as long as I feel like as long as they got you in the first set, like you're going to still be pretty interested in the second set. And didn't and we I, call Ornithopter? I feel like we've called Ornithopter <laughs> being an invention, like even as a joke, but it's like, I'm not surprised that we saw it, but I'll let you answer too, Richard. Yeah, I, I know, definitely agree. I think in the first Kaladesh ones, the only stinker was like Champion's Helm, whereas there are some arguable stinkers here and you definitely don't get the high end card. So it's weird to me that they would split it like this, especially since they know they're doing it over two sets, you know, with Zendikar. Uh, expeditions maybe they didn't know they were following up or they wanted to do it as a test run but by the time you get to kaladesh you would assume that they know these are popular and that they'd add cards that you want to open in ether revolt whereas in ether revolt right now to me it feels like they're nice to haves whereas kind of the chase artifacts are sitting in the first set so it's a little weird that they would do that i guess we'll find out with Cat to see how they distribute it but i would assume they would distribute it more evenly in the future unless they just really want to sell more of the first set than the second set. 
Yeah, and the other thing is, we're entering the crazy season again, so maybe they just don't care as much because, like, a month after the set comes out, we're going to be having Modern Masters spoilers, and then, like, a month after that, we're going to be in Amonkhet spoilers. So maybe, like, the second set just doesn't matter as much because there's not as much time that people will be focused on it compared to the fall set where we haven't had a release since September and we're pushing January now. Makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So off the top of your heads, can you guys figure out any good artifacts that aren't represented here? Did they miss anything? Ooh, jeez, that's uh, a... Yeah, off the top of my head... I can't really uh, think of anything that they missed. I can't really think of anything either. Especially I, if you consider the reserve list issues. Right, well, obviously they're not going to do we that. We don't have but, a top, uh, right? There's no top. We don't have top. There's one. Right. We don't have top. We don't have cranial plating. Relic of progenitus. Not worth much, but used all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Relic. We have uh, Oblivion Stone now, right? So, um, Oh, no Gitae, th- right? Is there a Gitae? Oh, oh yeah, no Gitae. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was a Gitae. No right, Gitae. no Gitae. Good catch, Richard. Good catch. We don't have a Batter Skull either, do we? But that... No, no Batter Skull either. But nah. Gitae's banned, right? So I, I don't think... Yeah, but I guess it doesn't matter, right? It's banned, it's in, banned in modern. It's not banned in anything. I mean, it's available in, well, except for modern, but it's available in right. Legacy and Commander. Right, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, right, I think right, that's, we, we, we got to return uh, to Artifact yeah. Plane coming up sometime soon. And yeah. The, now, <laughs> do, you think, do you think they're going to keep with a theme here? Because now we've seen lands, we've seen artifacts. Like, is there a theme here? They're going to generally just open it up to just random stuff. They said they won't all be themes. Because okay, so they won't all be themes, but I didn't know if that's like generally going to be like after a year or when they were going to open that up at some point. My guess it's the theme of the plane or the story they're in. Since Kaladesh is an artifact plane, you get artifacts. Right. When you go to a yeah. place without you know, a focus on a particular card type, say Amonkhet, then I think you're going to get a more varied uh, set. Gotcha. And- Interestingly enough, I think uh, we talked about Umazawa's Jite, and I'm pretty sure they talked about how all of the Masterpiece series cards have to make sense along with the actual set. So if you look at the cards they printed, there's nothing that's like a plain specific name, uh, nothing that refers to a specific character or uh, whatever from the set it was originally printed in. These are all pretty generic. So True. I So I think that that's part of what they're going for is even if they can't be all on theme, that they're going to make sense and not be like no bows with the theme of the set, which is what you see with all these artifacts. You don't see anything that like specifically references Kamigawa or whatever plane from the past. It's all pretty generic. They're all pretty generic, right? Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Tezzeret could have obviously carried his GTA with him that he stole from (laughs) Kamigawa onto Kaladesh. What? They they should have just added anything i don't know because the match pieces there are were so no rare walkers at that point i would think you would consider the balance of limited over like that story element 
Yeah, and while there is legitimately a lot of cards at Rec Limited, <laughs> if you that's I've heard people talking about that on Twitter, and they're definitely right. Well, there's the tutor uh, now, right? You got artifact tutors, so <laughs> you can actually tutor up your broken artifacts. Yeah, and I mean, like Worm Coil is almost unbeatable in modern limited standards, and uh, a lot of these cards are extremely impactful. Like, how are you going to beat an ensnaring bridge with your typical Kaladesh <laughs> you draft deck? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, that's all. I'm seriously more concerned about Worm Coil Engine. <laughs> I think sword, is, the swords are a killer. The swords fight. That one's much. pretty. Worm those Coil, are pretty, you can especially Worm Piece. By the oh. time they drop one, you can get like an exile effect to get rid of it. Whereas turn three, they drop a sword, equip their like one drop, and like go to town on you. <laughs> like it's over. Yeah, but I, I just have nightmares of body and mind. Oh my so, god! So, so can conspiracy theory? What do you think about? these cards being overpowered in limited intentionally because it's another way that wizards can add variance to like the GP experience and give like, if some random new player opens a mana crypt, they're going to have a lot better chance of beating a pro because it kind of evens the playing field a lot or they open a sword. So is this a way to inject more variance into those tournaments and give new players a better chance to fight against the better players in the room? I would hope not. I mean, this seems a little, you know, the feel bads you get when your opponent slaps bomb after bomb. And now they slap down like a masterpiece where they had like no probability of opening. It's going to feel bad. So I would hope not. I don't know. I've been playing a little bit of Hearthstone now and then just in my free time. And oh. the, the big the big thing about that is the variance. That's what comes the main well, thing I think of when I think right. of and if Wizards is trying to, like, mimic or, like, piggyback on Hearthstone's success, I could imagine them trying to inject more variance into the game. Well, because it works if, for Hearthstone, if, apparently. <laughs> yeah, except they give you a coin instead of, <laughs> I guess, Wizards' response to the coin is, ah, just have a warm coil engine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how does that work? <laughs> but I, I do think, like, yeah... I mean, it has to, right? I mean, at this point, they're in the set, so they might as well be super overpowered at this point, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, you could get the Ornithopter, and it would kind of <laughs> suck. I mean, few of these really, even though they're good cards normally, they kind of do suck in limited. Like, I mean, Sphere's Resistance, like, not going to do too much for you. So, yeah, that's you know, true. extra planar lens. I mean, unless you're dropping like eight eight drops like early, that doesn't really <laughs> do much. So they're not all like super awesome yeah chalice defense grid aren't right. they so great? it's like you have not only do you have to hit the masterpiece you have to hit the good masterpiece for limited so i guess it's like almost like a point like a fraction of percentage that you're going to get a invention that drastically alters the game the odds are pretty low at pro tour kaladesh i don't think we saw anyone getting blown right. out by an invention right uh battle for zendikar i don't think we got any lands that were impactful and so in general i don't think there's that big of an impact but it just is like kind of a big uh a big feel bad when you're the one person that it affects when your opponent wipes <laughs> it out and you're like why yeah but i mean i think as long as there's no like set amount of like a lot of horror stories that we see that like oh you know x pro got blown out because of that unless like we physically see or hear about so many of these horror stories, I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Because like you just said, Richard, I mean, there's no, there's nothing that you can put your finger on that says, oh yeah, like this was a really big like deal. So, 
Yeah, we're just waiting for Goifgate 2 where someone drafts a masterpiece that like has no yeah, actual purpose. But in that sense, I mean, most of, I mean, a good amount of them don't have an impact, but even if you, even if you were going to draft it, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to have a limited impact. I mean, yeah, so. you're going to slam that worm coil when you see it, but I don't know if you're going <laughs> to slam that chalice of the void if you see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I would, so. I would be a horrible. I guess that's not why I'm at the Pro Tour drafting table. I'd be that guy. I don't care. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think that about wraps it up for inventions. Like I said, I mean, our views pretty much haven't changed. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because for our homework that you gave us, Richard, for the 100 uh, episode, I actually went back and listened to what we thought about the inventions, and you know, we didn't. We kind of liked it, but it wasn't every set, but. I mean, for now, at least, I mean, you're already kind of tired of them, but I'm, I'm still okay with them. So I think they're a good list so far. We'll see what uh, Aether, the two Aether Revolt Ricards are, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, so Fishmail? All right, let's go to Fishmail. So let's do it. Send your questions to us with the hashtag MTGFishmail. Tweet at MTGGoldfish, and we will answer your questions on air. First question coming from at MagicWarrior underscore three. With the draft format being two Aether Revolt and one Kaladesh, does that mean there will be a higher chance of a masterpiece? Huh? I don't think so. the the odds of the odds in an Aether Revolt booster are the same as the odds in a Kaladesh booster, right? Yeah, but is is Aether Revolt less cards or something? Uh, I, don't I don't know. Is this because the set I, sizes? I don't think that that should make it. No, it should right? No. Yeah, I think it's still one in 144 packs, regardless yeah. of the set. So that would mean your right. chances are the same. However, if we say that the Kaladesh inventions are better than the Ether Revolt inventions, then uh, you you know you get less probability because there's only one pack versus two. But in general, it should be the same of pulling any masterpiece. Yep. Is that right? Am I understanding this correct? Yeah, uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah I think right, I don't yeah. think the the odds should change set to set. I think it's, yeah, if you open I'll... a masterpiece this set, the odds are one in whatever 144 packs, and it's the same no matter what pack you open. So right. the overall number should be the same, but you're probably less likely to get the good ones because the best ones are in Kaladesh. So your your odds of getting an Ornithopter are higher than uh, <laughs> than they would be. Hey, that's good for me. <laughs> next question from at Aaron B37 five gold cards alphabetically fall between Oath of Ajani and Tezzeret plenty of room for Robert Bolas <laughs> yeah Bob Bolas is still alive <laughs> Bob wow. Bolas can still uh, come hey. save the day it's, yep. it's like grandmother Sengir whatever that card is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like that, the equivalent of that but with Bolas she's not even yes. a vampire she's a human <laughs> I thought that was the that's uh, to this day I still can't believe that that ever happened. She's just like a random <laughs> grandma that they kidnapped and threw into the <laughs> threw yeah, into the I castle. Mean, She's like I don't know, it's but so, all right. It's so funny that because if we started the cast around that point, that had to be like your first entry into Richard's book of like flavor fails. <laughs> hey, back then, <laughs> had like to be number one, Lord of Atlantis wasn't even a merfolk. It wasn't a merfolk. It summoned Lord. Right. But it made, I mean, it makes sense that he's not a mer, it's not a merfolk because... Because he looks exactly like a merfolk. <laughs> well, it, it is... It, it, it was for like rules issues, crazy. right? They didn't want him to pump right. himself. Right. But, oh, it's, 
Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about flavor fails from the early <laughs> days of magic. <laughs> Next question from Brendan Matthews. I'm about to buy my first standard deck and I really enjoy metallurgic summonings. Which is more competitive, teamer, teamer or blue black? Uh, I think I might have answered this one on Twitter, but I'll say it again here because I love talking about metallurgic summonings. Um, I think the blue-black version might be better, but I think it's also harder to play. So it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, I think the teamer version is slightly easier to play, still competitive. And for me, I think it's more fun because you get to take extra turns and stuff. So, But I think, I guess that's the equation as far as I can see. I think blue-black is a little better, but teamer is a little more fun and they're both fairly competitive well how would you since seeing aether revolt is your position not shifted like solely into blue black because it feels like it just got a lot better i mean you have uh, access to like tesseret i'm mean, experience uh, expertise battle at the bridge stuff like that yeah i mean i guess that stuff might make it better ish the thing with the deck is though it's all about what you do before you get summonings down. Like, sure. it's not like, oh, uh, now we get battle at the bridge, and after we combo off, it's going to be even better. Like, the deck wins if it gets the summonings down and untaps. That's not the problem. Right. It's living long enough to to make that happen. And I'm not sure if, other than Yanni's expertise, uh, I don't know if the other cards really help with that part of the problem, sure. really. Sure. All right. Just want to ask. All right. Next question from at Malmoria. Would it be possible to print non-tournament legal cubes for local gaming stores to run on paper? Seasonal, kind of like MTGO cubes. Huh. <sighs> that would be interesting. I don't think they're in the business of doing that, though, are they? Yeah, I think they've gone away from the gold-bordered yeah. cards. I think it just yeah. causes confusion. And if they made those, like, why would you not just buy them and use them? You know, most people yeah. would play casually. If and This is obviously a casual, non-competitive cube format then you would just buy this and play forever as opposed to buying packs. They they need cards yep. that self-destruct after a certain period of time. <laughs> so you can play them for like two months with the cube, and then they, yeah. like I don't know, although, incinerate. <laughs> yeah, although, Richard, you did have a point on, uh, on that one. I think after a while, I mean, you're going to probably create more problems since, I mean, you even look at some of the gold-portered stuff there is now. I mean, some of those are still considerable money just because they're gold-portered versions of a card that they normally wouldn't play. Yeah, people buy them for their cubes. For. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. So I think it's just going to create more problems than solve. Next question from Femoral2214. Is it better to sell a redeem set as a whole or piece it out for parts? Uh, I think typically you'll get more money if you piece it out than selling it as a whole set, but that's also going to be a lot more work. So I guess it depends on if you want to spend extra time to get every dollar out of it possible, or if you uh, want to take the easy route and just sell it all together is going to cost you a lot less time. So I guess it's the opportunity cost uh, thing and it depends on your specific situation and how much time you want to invest. Right. I mean, for me, if I had the choice, I would sell as a whole just because it, it, you said it best, Seth. I mean, just less time investment. I mean, it's nice to get extract every last penny out of it, but I mean, when you have to make multiple, you know, s send to multiple places or whatever, or however you want to do it, at least you have the box. You ship, you ship it one time. You pay one fee, and that's it. So, or or not, or you just sell it locally, something like that. All right. Next question from at Darkness Zora Foil Pack Emrakul from Eldritch Moon. Sell now or sell at Aether Revolt, since Marvel deck is apparently getting more pieces. Oh, jeez. Is Emrakul going away? I 
If you're not using it, obviously, I think... See, th these are probably not foils that go are going to considerably tank after rota like at rotation. I mean, they're Eldrazi Titans. Like Emer this one is even really good. I, although mm, we haven't seen them in any other formats, so maybe. I mean, you might as well just ship it. I guess. Yeah. I just feel like I mean, you, it probably doesn't hurt to hold them either because it's just one of those foils that could just gradually increase over time it looks like they're between 35 and 40 dollars right now depending on where yeah. you get them so i don't know i can't imagine it significantly dropping from there for a foil copy like i think it's going to be a popular card just because it's emerical so if you need the money you can sell it now i don't expect it's going to be a hundred dollars in the near future or anything like that but i don't think it hurts you to hold on to it either and i wouldn't I don't know. I don't really imagine that Ether uh, Ether Revolt is going to make Marvel that much better because I think if it does, there's already been so much complaining about Emrakul and about Etherworks Marvel that it really could be on the chopping block for a for a band. What? If it, no, I, no way. I think it's possible. You think they're going to ban Emrakul? A ban in standard now these days. Not 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 right now, but like uh, maybe like Amoncat or something. <sighs> I ban it now, then it's just like the Jace thing when you banned it and had like four months left in standard anyway. That was the point of it just being so stupid. I'm scared that what's going to happen is they're going to print a bunch more energy cards, which we haven't seen yet, but they could. And that Etherworks Marvel is going to be insanely overpowered. People are going to stop going to tournaments even more than they already have. And Wait. Wizards is going to feel like they have to do something at the Amoncat update to get people back into standard. <laughs> I got it. They're going to ban it. But then they're going to release an event deck with <laughs> Aetherworks Marvel and Emrakul in the in the in the deck list, but you can only register it as it ships. <laughs> Remember that? Oh my, that was there's, I was. Like, there's no oh, way they're going to ban Emrakul. No way. No, there's no. If anything, we will end up in four months of I don't know random colored Marvel decks versus each other. Because if you look <laughs> at just, Devotion era yeah. standard, that was just all Devotion decks, black. Basically, just black against itself, right? Blue was there for yeah, a bit, and they didn't do anything about right. it, right? And you ended up going like black red devotion versus black white devotion, and you tried to just metagame yourself, uh, you know, with the other devotion decks. So even if it is insanely broken, you would just get Emrakul, uh, Etherworks, Mirrors for four months. There's no way they would actually do an emergency ban. Yeah, and if you just ban it, doesn't stop. If you just go to a full four of Ulamog. Like it's the same thing. Like there's other broken large end stuff out there. That is true. Uh, there's no way they're banning it. The last ban was like Jace the Mind Sculptor. There's I, there's no way. The the one thing that makes wizards do crazy stuff like that is when people stop showing up to tournaments. And we've already had people talking about how their F and M attendance is bad and the formats keeping people away. If we go through another like four or five months of that, I. I don't think it's impossible. I'm not saying it's likely, but I could see that happening with the uh, justification of people aren't showing up to play anymore. Yeah, not to like keep harping on this, but uh, when's the next ban and restricted announcement? No, uh, there's Results one with every set, so it should be around when Ether Evil releases. Then it, like, it would already be on the chopping block. Then we'll expect it to be banned because there's no way they're going to just suddenly like, ban it at the end. Then they would just ride it out to October. They did it with Jace, though. They did do it with Jace, so I don't know. 
I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point and and it's unnecessary. Jace is slightly yeah. more oppressive than Emrakul. Slightly. <laughs> yeah, I, Jace I mean, though, it was makes you feel like you're playing Skullblade. At least you feel like you're playing magic, though. And uh, with Jace, it's a slow, long bleed of, like, ten turns of them face-healing you until you die. So even though, like, anyone that knows magic well knows that you're losing, it feels like you're still kind of in the game, even though you're not. Emrakul, it's just, like, oh, it feels so bad. I'd, I'd rather lose like that. I'd rather lose to Emrakul. Just finish me off in one turn, yeah, as I'd opposed exactly, to... Exactly, exactly waiting for you to ultimate and mill me because you got <laughs> nothing going on and I can't do anything about this. Answer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you here, Richard. That's why I hate Lantern Control. I'm like, dude, just, can you just like mill me or whatever? <laughs> like, Lantern- I don't want to sit here anymore. Lantern Control is the worst because there's so always this like 3% fizzle chance where if you have like the right three cards in a row on top of your deck, you could still win. So you can't really just scoop because you're not like at 0%. So you have to sit through the entire thing because you know if you just get really lucky and they have one less mill card than you have good cards on top of your deck, you could still come back. So not it's, me. It's, oh, it's so bad. It's all about that noble uh, higher attack it, and then become immense deeper battle rage and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I will go out on a limb. If you see me in a pro tour, if you if you know if you see me in a pro tour, just switch to lantern control. <laughs> I'll give you the the thirty grand. <laughs> I won't do it if it's not worth it. It's really not. It's not worth it. <laughs> all right, last question. Time to get Chaz all riled up. This comes via an email from Andrew. Why frontier but not eternal? <laughs> Why does Frontier look like it will be successful while Eternal failed? Cost, better new players, non-rotating. Seems like better card pool for Eternal. Curious to hear the team's thoughts. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. Walking off the set. (laughs) I I don't even know. I don't know. I have no idea. I I, Honestly, I wrote a a little funny little thing on uh, Twitter today, just kind of poking fun. I like Frontier, I, 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 and I genuinely enjoyed the games, and I played a considerable amount of games already to test with a, a few close friends of mine, and I generally like it. It's just, I don't know, like, you, you propose a, a format that takes away all the cards no one can conceivably is going to buy anyway. Like, who's buying? I mean, how many, if, you know, people were really playing Legacy, I'm sure it was an issue that, you know, you have to buy $800 Tabernacles and $200 underground seas and I'm it was a legitimate problem and you know you, you try to promote a format that you can play brainstorm again without having to spend like three thousand dollars people just were not having it but people are ready to what shell out a hundred dollars for their jay's rinse prodigies again like <laughs> and you know what's happening you know exactly you know what's going to happen seth uh you know I, it. I really think it is about the card pool uh, as much as I love legacy and older formats and modern, and I think most of us do, a lot of players just don't like that. I'm learning that more and more as I talk to people that they're the biggest thing they say about Frontier is they really like the card pool and creatures bouncing into each other and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's like the big appeal. Uh, Frontier feels like better standard when Eternal felt like worse legacy. So I think like psychologically, people are more okay with it for some reason even though personally i think i would have much more fun playing eternal than i would frontier yeah yeah i don't know so eternal is easy because i can replace eternal with legacy 
and everything about it failing remains the same. Legacy, the arguably better format, is still failing because people just don't want to play this type of magic anymore or they're not used to it or whatever. For whatever reason, you know, Star City Games stopped promoting it and no one wants to play Legacy. If no one wants to play Legacy, why would you want to play Legacy Light, i.e. Eternal? Right? So to me, that's pretty clear. For the Eternal part of, or not the Eternal, the Frontier part of it, I don't think I've actually shared my official stance on Frontier on the podcast, but I guess uh, we can do it now. But I think it's going to be a thing, and I know it's going to be a thing. And the only question is in what form. So Wizards will eventually adopt Frontier, and the question is whether it's exactly Frontier or it's going to be some new extended thing or it's just going to be a different cutoff. But basically, for every era of Magic card design, we have a format. Uh, you like playing with broken fast mana, play Vintage. Uh, the rest of the Alpha Beta cards play Legacy. Uh, starting around 8th, 9th, you know, Big Hosers, Ensnaring Bridge, Unfair Magic, that's modern. And, uh, you know, the current design is, is standard. But we don't have anything between modern and standard, and modern is too big right now. Cards that are released, you know, look at Ravnica, Theros, they look wildly different than the cards from the early part of modern. So modern needs to split, and that's where Frontier will will come in. And it's going to happen, just like in Hearthstone, you know, the favorite game we like to compare to. It started off as standard, card pool got too big, they added in Wild or Legacy, and eventually, guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed, there will be an extended or modern, right? And for the same reason, like the card pool will get too large, uh, early design will differ from current design, and you need to split the cards. So we'll definitely get Frontier, and... Cost is not the issue here. It's like Seth said, probably card pool. If you liked, if you played Magic in the last five years, if you played Standard, you like smashing mid-range creatures into each other, and you need a bigger format to do that, and that will be Frontier. So I think it's right. gonna be there, and there's enough player support already, right? So I think it's it's gonna get there. And I get I get all that. My whole thing was. There's just a and and we talked about this. I mean, we talked about this last cast. Seth and I did two frontier things, but but my thing is, I, I get everybody is super all in. You know, the last few years of standard, they already probably have most of the cards if you've been playing Magic for the last few years. But then at one point, do you just run into the same problems where new people want to come in and they're like, hey, you know, one of the driving points of the format right now, which I said is not a driving point, because don't keep saying it's because it's affordable because that's going to change really quickly. I mean, really quickly. I mean, we've came, I mean, you've written articles that saying like that standard era is w- one of the most expensive standards we've seen in like years. And we've already seen Jace Friends Prodigy in the last few weeks go from a you know $25 card to an almost $50 card again. So it doesn't take long for these cards to increase. So that's just kind of my thing is like what do you what you're gonna run into the same wall that you're gonna have again. Now we mentioned on the 100 cast, you think, Richard, that it will just keep going on from there. That five more years, uh, another like frontier two, and then at one point, let's just say I'm just throwing out numbers, 10 years from now, we're gonna have five or six different non-rotating formats, yeah, right? Basically. Instead of just a rotating format. So at, at, at one point, do, is the, the player base is not fragment, you know, fragmented and like doesn't know like really what to do. Uh, well, everyone will play, my guess, the What's big the two. What's the newest thing? The big right, two, yeah, yeah, right? Said, the, the current yeah, modern yeah, yeah. and the current standard. Just like barely anyone plays vintage, barely anyone plays legacy, and now modern. 
is kind of the the choice for older formats. Eventually, modern will be current day legacy, and you know, vintage will be everyone playing you know in like gigantic quadruple sleeve decks because they don't want to you know they don't want their cards to disintegrate. <laughs> and everyone will be playing yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic twenty twenty, whatever that looks like, right? Maybe we've Maybe creatures now are all Tarmogoyce with upside for some reason. I don't know, right? But I think eventually you'll just do that, right? And if you started playing Magic in the early, you know, 2010s or whatever, you're going to get all nostalgic about Siege Rhino. You want to slam Siege Rhinos into each other, and you'll pick up, I guess, what Frontier is, right? And if you played earlier and you like Ensnaring Bridge and Blood Moons, you'd play Modern. So I, I think eventually the way we talk about Brainstorm the way we talk about Black Lotus, you'll you'll use the same terminology and stuff to talk about Siege Rhino. Remember when you could cast a, a four wow. five with trample and, and drain the person for three? That was so sweet. Yeah, that was the glory could, days yeah. of magic. Some people now will talk like that. Two mana. <laughs> I, now you could do it for two mana. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think it means though that the that the cost consideration isn't really relevant. I think that's what it comes down to. Like I agree hundred percent that the format will get more expensive and all the stuff that you were saying, but I think it really is that some people just if Frontier or whatever the format ends up being called is the same cost as modern, they would still pick Frontier yeah. because they just really like how Frontier plays and the cards in the format. So I think when I started it and I've written articles about it, all the things that will happen and how Frontier will be just like modern and prices and the best decks. But I think when it comes right down to it, none of that stuff actually matters to form uh, mm. to Frontier to the players that want to play Frontier because those aren't their concerns. It's that they just really love the card pool and the decks in the format. Right. And I guess it goes the other way because people who play modern don't sympathize with all the, you know, people claiming like, oh, it's stale, it's bad or whatever. Like people who play modern, I don't really hear that many, you know, complaints. On the contrary, people are saying like modern is actually really fun sans like infect right now. Yeah. And, and there's still a large turnout of people going to modern GPs and what have you. It's going to depend on what the majority plays. Like, for example, I personally think legacy is like a billion times better than modern. But I play modern every week because there's no place to play legacy, right? And modern is still fun. It's still magic. It's, it's different from legacy, right? But, you know, I don't sit here and bash modern or bash legacy or whatever. I still play modern. And eventually I think it'll be the same thing where if frontier is very popular and the only event that Friday is frontier and there's no modern as a modern player, you'd probably go play frontier anyway. I think someone, right, I, yeah. I think, because you just want to play I magic. I think we said it right on our cast, right? Uh, magic is better yep. than no magic. Yep. So, whatever kind of the majority of the population likes. And if the majority of the population came on post, uh, post cons or post RTR or wherever we're going to put the breakout point, uh, then Frontier would probably be their preferred style of playing magic. Yeah. I think my issue is not with the format or anything else. I guess it's just because, I mean, sometimes just magic players just like complain and it's just, <laughs> It's funny how short-term, you know, everyone has just really short-term memory. I just remember us on this podcast, like, oh, my, like, Siege, Rhino, and Rally, like, again? Like, when are we going to stop? Jace, Friends, Prodigy, and Fetchlands, like, all these $1,000, like, standard decks, like, not again. Like, at week in and week out, it was just, like, miserable. So, and then, I, do you remember the countless conversations that we had? 
like even over social media it's like people just like didn't want to play standard it was so awful people were sick and tired of siege rhino and jason's prodigy and four color goodness like they were just tired of it like Abzan splash, you know, red or whatever. Like they just weren't weren't having it anymore. To be fair, the exact yeah. same arguments are levied against modern. Sure, <laughs> show me a place where people so are not complaining yeah, about getting infected to death on turn yeah. three so or it's lantern like, out, right? <laughs> oh, it's just, but it's just like all of that. And you're maybe you're exactly right, Seth. Like cost, all that doesn't matter because you try to bring up those points, and people are just new format homers. Like no matter what, and. Like, I don't want to hear it. I just want to play a new format. I want to be in on, like, the ground up. Maybe that's just maybe that's just it. Maybe that's just all people need. Like, everything else, you know, just goes to the wayside. Because I'll tell you what. If, if you took out a lot of the monetary cost of Legacy, I bet you people would play Legacy. I bet you they bet would you not. any amount. I bet you they would. Because I, I, would. I have an example I mean, for I you. Love, Magic Online. Well, I'm just one person. Magic but. Online is dirt cheap. No one plays Legacy there. But still, it's it's different. I mean, a lot of people, even that I know and have talked to, even at just stores, don't really care about Magic Online. They want the physical, tangible cards. I don't know. I think people. I think we overestimate the nostalgia. I think most people do not turn one, crack my fetch, get stifled, lose. I, I think uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't like that. You know what I mean? For the same reason why I'm okay with getting my my spell counter spelled. Sure. A lot of people are not okay with getting their two mana. You know, getting the blue-blue counterspell against sure. them. Yeah, and yeah, Legacy sure. is just that on steroids. Very unforgiving. Very, look, like, the guy is tapped out, and he can still counter my spells and counter them, like, three times in a row with no <laughs> mana. <laughs> right? Like, what? What is this? Yeah. Right? It's like Force of Will, days, days. Like, what? <laughs> right? You didn't even have any mana. Right? So, yep, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I disagree with that part. Right, I think I agree like, with that. Yeah, yeah. Where maybe if maybe. Frontier costs the exact same as Modern, you would still get a bunch of people playing it. Maybe. But I do maybe agree with right. you that the price argument is not a strong argument. Like you can't say I like Frontier because it's cheap, because as soon as people play it, it'll get expensive. And you can't yeah, say then, it's yeah. a Brewer's Paradise, because as soon as the pros get their hands on it, uh the metagame will be very well defined. Kind of right. like modern. But yeah, and didn't we talk about like you just have to like the card pool, right? Like, you have to like what you're doing. Exactly what you just said, Richard. Like, you have to like running, f- you know, rhinos into each other and rally and all that stuff. You have to like Frontier for what it is, not because of, oh, it's a brewer's paradise and, you know, it, it's cheap and what have you, because those are arguments that are not going to hold up very well. Right. And I, I think that point is not a stretch because if you've been playing standard for the past four years, this is what you've been doing. So you probably like this kind of magic, right? So sure, I don't think I that don't, that point is too much of a stretch. Yeah. Although I've had fun. I mean, like I said, I, I've had fun. I generally like it. And I guess that's my, my thing on it. It's more of like the, it's just, it's just shocking to see like how short term memory everybody is once it's like, they're just all in on it. Like, don't care about anything else. Super Frontier, like new format homers, want to get in on the ground floor. Just everything I've been saying. It's just like shocking. I think people just want to play with their cards. <laughs> I think that's the sure, thing. You own but, all these cards. But, I just want to play with them, I think. Yeah, I, and I get that. But two years ago, they had the cards and they didn't want to play them because it was, <laughs> you know, they didn't want to run into, you know, Jace Friends Prodigies and Siege Rhino. So I just, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. To me, I still, I think I'm going to enjoy it even more, and I and I like it now, but uh, 
it's just something that Seth and I has, have been saying. Like it, it'll progressively get better as more cards enter the format. I think. Like if this happened a few more years, like years down the road, and I guess it's going to get there anyway. But it just kind of feels to me that like if you waited until the card pool is at least just a little bit larger, then I'd be super excited because at least like you kind of can you have a little bit more of a larger card pool to deal with some of the stuff. And then you should get in on the ground floor now and be excited to be well, excited in two years. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, yeah. Because you right. know how how excited would you have been to buy Tarmogoyz for like five bucks a piece when you know Modern I, actually I took them. off, and now you don't have to pay like two hundred dollars. Yeah, I bought them for twenty bucks each, so you know I was really lucky buying those affinity pieces before they were worth anything. They were all just. Like I mean, bulk. I had yeah. yeah. I opened I opened like some of them in a pack, so <laughs> for me it was like free. <laughs> Uh, All right, but I, I oh, have sorry. made a resolve to not talk about Frontier anymore. I'm done talking about Frontier. Yeah, I, I, we, I, we, we, I will, we will, I, we will let it play out. I'm, it doesn't really matter. It's something that's going to take a long time. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm with you. Just let people play it out, and people can do whatever they want with their cardboard cards. It's not up to anyone to say whether it's good or bad. They can do what they want, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Yep, I'm with you, Richard. Great. That's a good place to stop on that front tier. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Frontier <laughs> three. <laughs> That's all our fish. Uh, any more this fish? Week. Oh, okay. You you saved the best for last. <laughs> I, I I saved the one where I knew Chaz would get riled up and we would go uh, off a tangent <laughs> <laughs> for last. Yeah, I mean it's just like I said. I, I'm not a hater. I just it's just funny. That's all. But uh, yeah, all right. I, I think that's gonna wrap it up here, uh, gentlemen. Another great cast. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end it there and enjoy uh, your celebrations, and we will do this again next week, and we'll have spoilers at that point. So this is going to be the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you all next time. <laughs>